Sometimes, Joe, I wonder how coaches are going to react to you when you ask a little bit of a left field question. Got to read the room. You do have to read the room. And it was a packed room last night at Cameron Indoor Stadium. And Duke gets the win over NC State. Duke completes the year at home unbeaten. That's the first time it's happened, I think, since 2014 that Duke has uh, gone unbeaten at home. And also, John Shire is the first rookie head coach, first-year coach, to start his career with no losses at home. Of course, we all remember the last home loss at Cameron Indoor Stadium. So you had uh, you had asked Shire if there was maybe some sort of deal that was made to help him out. Makes sense at right? this point, right? Mike Krzyzewski is a good Catholic. He understands the concept of sacrifice. So are you say, are you saying that that home loss, which happened around Lent, also it was actually it was actually a Lent sacrifice? Like you I, know what, I'm going to give up winning at home in this 40 days because I know right it's going to benefit John <laughs> oh, next see. year. Like you know, I most Catholics will give up swearing, a, a so- alcohol, sodas, yeah, you know that kind of thing. You got to eat fish fillet sandwiches. Yep, meat. That kind of stuff? No. Kay gave up winning at home. Anyway, here's the response last night to uh, going unbeaten at home. He's a generous person, but I, I don't know if uh, that's the case. Yeah. He's, trust me, he's he's won, you know, more than anybody's ever won. I don't think he's, you know, sacrificed any of that. Why would you keep winning? Yeah. So there you go. He got a kick out of it. He, yes, he seemed to enjoy it. Because when you started asking that question, I don't know if you could hear me in the background, I started laughing. like, oh, here we go. Where is where is where is this gonna go? But yeah, it's obviously a deep wound for Duke. But at some point, you just gotta be able to. Yeah, man, a little gallows humor. Yeah, a little gallows humor about it. So last night, I think NC State lost, obviously, and there's a lot of reasons why they came up short in this game. I do think a lot of it had to do with Terquavion Smith being a, li- a liability last night. Yeah, he was. And while Terquavion Smith has not been himself the last couple of games, it's been the Jarkel Joiner show. It's been DJ Burns uh, with his soft touch and some quality play from other guys. I thought Terquavion was a liability not just in terms of the scoreboard, but also in his general antics. He was too hyped up. He he had to be he he had to sit in order for things to um, you know function for NC State. But I like the way NC State played defense. That was one thing that we talked about going into last night's game. Is like State needs to step it up defensively because uh, it 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 almost burned them against Wake Forest, but they were able to match them in terms of offensive output. It burned them against Clemson when they didn't have that offensive output, and Clemson has effectively put that game away at the you know under sixteen timeout. Last night, I thought they did a good job of bothering and also playing to Duke's physicality, which has been a consistency for the Blue Devils all season long. But what's also been consistent with the Blue Devils all season long is that they can take some punches. They will find somebody to hit a big shot when necessary. When Jarkel Joyner was filling it up with threes, you know, all they needed was a stop. They eventually got that stop. So I, I've liked what I've seen out of the Blue Devils, but in a weird sort of way, I also liked what I saw out of the Wolfpack defensively. They just have to carry that into this off week and then starting the the ACC tournament on a Wednesday now because I know that Joe Lenardi at ESPN has NC State in the tournament right now. I think you and I, Joe, both agree the last thing you want to do is go to the ACC tournament 
lose on Wednesday and enter into the NCAA tournament discussion on a three-game losing streak. Yeah, you, you don't want to fool around and find out. No. It, but you know what? The way that this team has played, they've been different. Even in the second half of that game, you know, they, again, they get down by 10, and I, here I'm thinking, oh, well, this game is clearly over. And then here comes Jarkel Joyner. By the way, if you ha- I don't, we don't have a vote here, but if you have a vote and you don't have Jarkel Joyner on your first team All-ACC, you haven't been paying attention. Um, he's he's been the best guard in the triangle this year. I don't I don't think that's over exaggerating anything. Uh, he's really been outstanding down the stretch for NC State as well. Six year guy has been their leader, has been their most important player all season. So, you know, NC State with twenty two wins, they got twelve of them in the league. You historically you look at that and you realize that's pretty good by NC State standards. Uh, it should be enough to get him in the tournament. But, again, you don't want to go to Greensboro and be like, uh, let me chance this. Yeah, no. Because right now it looks like it could be Virginia Tech or Florida State that they would face mm-hmm. on Wednesday in that late game. And you and I have seen that late game get a little quirky Yeah, any, in years past. Any, that, that late 9.30 start can get a little wacky. 9.30 on a Wednesday, 9.30 on a Thursday is going to produce some – Triple overtime magic. <laughs> Shout out to Ish Smith, man. Right. It's like, you know again? it's coming. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay, here we go. I guess hospitality will wait. About NC State's season, and, and you and I talked about this around the same time last year, about the Wolfpack and what needed to change. Um, and Kevin Keats did make changes. Kevin Keats made changes to the coaching staff. And I know, you know, one of the suggestions that you had is stop guessing in the transfer portal and go get some dudes yeah. you know are going to work out. This is where Jarkel Joyner has come through. This is where DJ Burns yep. has come through. And Keats reflected on that last night about you know essentially looking at himself in the mirror and having to change in order to get the success that they've had this season. I kind of look myself in the mirror, as I always do, and try to figure out how can I get better? Uh, how can I help our team get better? How can I help NC State get better? And, you know, we just I made some changes. Um, I swallowed some pride. Um, I was bothered. I didn't sleep at all. And I wanted to get this program back on track. You know, we started off our first three years with um, 20 wins and, you know, uh, 11 and 7 and 9 and 9 and 10 and 10 and, and never really had a losing record in the ACC. And so what I decided to do is just bury my head to Joe's point. I really don't listen to social media. I never listened to anybody that said, you know, whatever they were going to say. What I did was we went out and I got a new staff with a lot of energy who've done a tremendous job. Uh, we went out and we found needs and we got Jarkel Joyner and DJ Burns and Deshaun Mahorship and Jack Clark. And then guys like Dequavion Smith decided to come back to school and Casey Morsell. And, and you look at it a year later, man, what a difference a year has made uh, because we didn't give up and we didn't put our head down and we just fought. So I'm happy. That was Kevin Keats last night after the loss at Cameron Indoor Stadium. They have a weird quirk in the schedule where that's it. That was the end of the regular season for the Wolfpack. You will not see them in action again until Wednesday. I actually think that's to NC State's benefit because I'll get back to how I started this conversation with the Wolfpack. If they're going to make a run in Greensboro, if they're going to make a run in the NCAA tournament, Terquavion Smith needs to be engaged fully where he hasn't been the last couple of games, especially last night. Yeah, and he got knocked off early with the Tyrese Proctor, you know, flopping, quite frankly. Yeah, it was a flop, But it was right. a technical. They called yeah. the technical on him. Then the second half, he gets tied up with Mark Mitchell, and it, and it's like, all right. And he, DJ Burns pulled him right there on the he floor and basically said to him in no uncertain terms, 
get your act together, man. It's like you don't like, need a, yeah, you don't need to get tossed. Yeah, you don't need another technical, right? So uh, that's one thing I think Jarkel Joyner has done tremendous all year. He's been great for mm. Terquavion Smith. Their games mesh together the right way. You know, with that leadership, I think you'll see Terquavion bounce back in Greensboro. You know, you mentioned how hyped he was last night. Yeah, man, he, he's a he's a local. He mm-hmm. understands the he understands NC State. He understands this league. He understands these rivalry games. And you know, he got a little too keyed up. But you know, you just once you understand also where you are, like NC State's at its best when he's their third best player. Yeah. To be perfectly it's honest, Jarkel, DJ, and yeah. then Terquavion and that, but has that's not, to not be a liability. There's yeah, nothing wrong with but that. But that's not a bad thing. No, it's not. You know what I mean? So, Morcel needs to make more of his threes, obviously, than they did last night. They, they didn't have a good well, night the, shooting. But the fact that they got within four with Casey Morcel oh. not hitting any shots. Jo- Joyner just banging shots yeah. down the stretch was, was ridiculous. I'll say this for Duke because it's only the second time I've seen them in person and first time I've seen them since they looked awful in Raleigh. They know who they are. Mm-hmm. There's a value to that. And, yeah, Derek Lively, he doesn't have to score points to affect games. He does a great job on the defensive end. He is not someone you can drive by Mark Williams style. Like, he's, let me tell you, he, he's going to be a factor in March for them. And then Jeremy Roach, don't forget, he was hurt at the beginning of the year, the foot, the toe, whatever it was. And he's he's clearly back to where he was yeah, low key last good March. Game for him and, last and, night. and he's a leader for them, and that's what they need from him. And, then, you know, Proctor is an NBA player. We didn't see that early in the year. Now we do. And good for them because they go to Chapel Hill on Saturday. Mm-hmm. They get another one of those free and easy kind of moments. They go over there. They win. Great. Mm-hmm. If they lose, so what? They already beat Carolina. Yeah. So I love the spot they're in. And again, I'll say I know uh, Jeff Capel is going to be the ACC Coach of the Year. But I'll tell you what. No one's done a better job this year than John Shire. Yeah, John Shire's done a very, very good job in his first season as Duke's head coach with all the circumstances that are around it. The obvious one being following up Coach yeah. K, right? Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete Deruda, America's wealth coach and best-selling author. Coach, one of the big questions I always hear is, do I have enough money to retire? Well, maybe, maybe not. The most important thing is you have lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll design that plan for the next 10 people to call. No cost or obligation. Put yourself in control of retirement. Call 800-691-3215. You can also text Tim to 600-700. That's T-I-M to 600-700. You'll hear from Coach Pete and the Capital Financial advisory group joining us on the Heaster automotive group hotline washington post he is our chief bracketologist resident cat man like me patrick stevens patrick what's going on man hey fellas how are you we're good uh i think i lost joe by pointing out the fact that you and i <laughs> like cats now you and i <laughs> Also, what? <laughs> Thelma and Louise will be making an appearance at some point here. Thelma, Thelma and Louise and the one-eyed Jack. That's right. You do have her. <laughs> now, we talked about one-eyed Jack the other day. Regardless, regardless, keeping an eye on Carolina, all right? So I know Duke and State played last night. We'll talk about State here in a second. But Carolina is this team that's like in some and not in others. I know uh, Joe Lenardi has them as the first team out. Where do you have the Tar Heels going into this game against the Devils? Just inside the field, last spot inside the field. So very, very close. Uh, I think you could make a case either way. And the case is basically the same, right? Like you can look at them and say, well, they haven't messed up a whole lot and they have the one high-end win that they just picked up the other day against Virginia. Uh, and then the other side of that is they only have the one high-end win. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I think that's a team that still has work to do here. 
over the next week and a half or so, obviously with Duke coming in to the Dean Dome on Saturday and then also at the ACC tournament. For sure, we can sit here and say that, that they're going to have to win at least one game in Greensboro uh, to feel safe, no matter what, and quite possibly two. One of the things, Patrick, that people get confused about when we talk about teams on the bubble is they think, oh, well, we're going to compare North Carolina or NC State or Clemson to Kansas and their mm -hmm. resume. Oh, we're going to compare them to Purdue or someone from the big, the one of the leaders from the Big Ten. No, you're, you're compared to the other teams that are on the bubble. Just like bracket luck is real, I, I'm convinced bubble luck is real too. So who are some of the teams on the bubble that NC State, Clemson, North Carolina will be compared to? Yeah, I, I think you you can start off with a couple Big 12 teams. West Virginia and Oklahoma State are in that mix. I think you have Michigan and Penn State and Wisconsin out of the Big 10. Those are a handful of teams to be aware of. Nevada, I, I think Boise State less so than, than it would seem some other people. I think Boise's a little bit safer, especially after last night. Uh, but those would be some teams that certainly stand out among among some others. Utah State's a team to keep an eye on potentially if, if, if they can make a run here in the last week or so and make a push to the Mountain West final. Arizona State would be in that mix as well. So there's a bunch of them, but it's not as large a group as you would normally think just because, uh, you know, this is a year where the, the depth of the field, once you get to team 45 or so, at, you know, and the cut line's 36. You know, there just isn't a whole lot much beyond the edge of the field right now. Ah, uh, yes, That's Patrick. Where you and Patrick pa are some potty co. Patrick Stevens and I, this is when when we're not talking about cats, we can agree on this. Uh, it's We, we got to fill out the field. <laughs> we do. They, they're going to take 36. They're going to take 36. They're and, not just going to say 34 this and, year. And that's why, you know, when people get on the ACC not necessarily having a strong season, and nobody's denying that. I'm not trying to deny, like, the ACC's having some sort of vintage year. But when people start hand-wringing about the amount of teams they're going to get in the NCAA tournament, I usually fall back on that. If you think the ACC is down, that's relative to just a good chunk of college basketball, and you got to fill out the field, and that's what will help teams like North Carolina, which have a somebody's, name brand. Yeah, somebody, somebody's got to be there. And, yeah. you know, you would think in, in a lot of years you'd go, gosh, this would be a great time to have like a mid-major or a, a typical two-bid league become a three-bid league. This year, the Missouri Valley and the A-10 are both going to be one-bid leagues. The last time they were both one-bid leagues in the same year was 1990. Oh, wow. So, okay. like, you have that sort of variable in the mix, too. You, you look at the Pac-12, that's probably a three- or four-bid league as opposed to the an opportunistic year where they get up around six. The American isn't going to be more than a two-bid league unless somebody other than Memphis or Houston wins that conference so you know you're right that somebody's got to fill out the field they're not going to just have dead air on tuesday from mm. when those gate dayton games are supposed to be going on patrick stevens handles bracketology for the washington post he is my friend joining us here on the og all right patrick i you, i want you to explain this to me in a way i know you i know i made you do this to me last year but again give it to me again we don't get the Nets public formula. The NCAA doesn't make the net formula public because it is a proprietary metric that they paid a lot of money for. Okay. Right? That's part of it. And the other right. part of it is is that they make the RP they made the RPI public, which, you know, it obviously wasn't a very complex formula. And then everybody went and gamed it. Okay. And so if you don't know what the formula is exactly, you can't efficiently game it in terms of your scheduling. Uh, in terms of just the way that you decide to play, uh, as opposed to if you know if you do know that, 
maybe you're intentionally running up the score a little bit, you know, or you're intentionally scheduling a certain kind of team in non-conference play as opposed to just kind of doing what you're doing right now. But does the formula change each year? Is it That's tweaked? a good question. I, I think it might be. I think it might be tweaked based on the information that is spit into it. If you recall, when the NCAA announced the net initially, they said something in the release to the effect of this accounts for data from X number of seasons or something like that. Okay. And so it would seem to make sense to me that you would not uh, adjust that a little bit as the data comes in for more recent seasons, right? That makes sense. So I, I don't know 100% for sure that the metric is, is tweaked from year to year. And I don't even know that if it is tweaked, that it's a massive change year over year. But it would make a lot of sense based on those sort of breadcrumbs that you're not dealing with the exact same formula every single season. I don't like that. Yeah, I, I don't get the proprietor. <laughs> I know they paid for it, but give me a break if you think it's been gamed. I get it. We had the... Who was it? Missouri State, the one year that was like twenty-one in the in the RPI and didn't make yeah, the tournament. Two thousand six. Yep. There you go. I, it, look, I mean, he's not looking at anything. Him and him and Bo have these numbers. Yeah, I know. they're just like watch <laughs> how the hell is it doing. Now I'm just I'm just sad. Patrick Stevens, Washington Post, when we talked about you have to fill out the field and you you see some of these leagues that are not going to be able to have more than one bid. I'm like, does that that, that doesn't bode well for Herb Sendek, does it? Are we going to get Santa no. Clara in this field? We're we getting Santa Clara no, or what? I don't think we're going to see Santa Clara in the field, although I will say one of the most bizarrely interesting teams is another WCC team, Loyola Marymount, mm -hmm. which beat both Gonzaga and St. Mary's. And do, do I remember that they gave Wake that they beat Wake Forest too back in November? They did, and they, they also have a scattering of ridiculous losses too. <laughs> so uh, they're Clemson. They're, they're the Clemson of the they of are the, the West Clemson Coast. of the West Got Coast. It. Got it. They are Got the Clemson it. of the West Coast. Makes total sense now. Patrick Stevens, Washington Post. We appreciate the time as always, Patrick. We will talk to you next week when we're at the ACC tournament, man. We we'll see him. It. That's right. You're going to be there, right? I will be there. Very excited about that. All right, Patrick. Take these, man. Thanks for the time. Awesome, fellas. Take care. So when I was looking to transfer, it was um, a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, and it didn't feel like I got lost in a huge university because I knew that if I came here, there was going to be someone I could talk to about every aspect of the courses I needed to take, but also, too, I loved the smaller classroom sizes, and I liked how interactive and immersive all of the learning was going to be. It wasn't just going to be me sitting in a room with a couple hundred people and a professor who didn't know my name. To find out more about transferring to William Peace University, visit peace.edu.